is back to second. He can't keep up with Martini. to the races powered by the racing biz your independent voice for racing and breeding in the mid-atlantic on the web at the racingbiz.com on the radio on espn richmond it's off to the races here's nick Hahn. this is land of hope and dream certainly true boss thanks for spending your saturday mornings with us on off to the races Mammoth Park opened this week, and we'll have an update on how their opening day went last night in the twilight on the Jersey Shore. Also on Off to the Races, we have John Mooney from Delaware Park. Delaware Park having a big day of racing today. Frank Vespi will join us in about 10 minutes or so. Daryl Wood just around the corner. Barry Spears, a blogger who has worked for Bet America, will join us in the second half of the show. And then Derby Bill Watson with handicapping and a little Fourth of July music uh, to take us the anchor leg on off to the races. But uh, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. We got such a busy show listening to the uh, intro music there from Eli Cook. Uh, had a chance to watch some of the Saturday stakes racing from Dirty Nellies in Charlottesville. Those of you who uh, are familiar with UVA in Charlottesville may know Dirty Nellies. And uh, interesting place to watch horse racing, no doubt. But uh, uh, had a couple of winners there as that band was getting their set together uh, on Off to the Races. That's always exciting when you get to listen to good music after a win. And uh, there was plenty of winning at Thistledown, a field of, uh, let's count them, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 going to the gate in the Ohio Derby, a points race on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And there was a long shot who was coming, really made his move going into the turn uh, at Thistledown. And coming out of the turn, he was there. He had to hold off. A number of worthy challengers. Let's hear the call and find out how the Ohio Derby wound up. Lebd and Dean Martini together. They've gone three lengths clear of Rowdy Yates and stormed the court. Sprawl's trying a rail rally right now. Sprawl is just behind them in fifth. South Bend moves up on the far outside. And it's Dean Martini. Dean Martini at the top of the stretch. Lebda's back to second. He can't keep up with Dean Martini. Here's Rowdy Yates along the inside. South Bend and Storm the quarter. Gaining ground. It's Dean Martini. 116th to go. South Bend on the far outside. Storm the court. Dean Martini still in front. Here comes South Bend. Dean Martini wins the Ohio Derby. Yeah, and earns points uh, towards the Kentucky Derby point standings there. Dean Martini, what a great name in racing and a worthy long shot, $31.20 for the win. South Bend and Storm the Court also pick up a few points on their path to the Kentucky Derby standings. So with that, it's of course, you have Tiz the Law sitting on top of the standings. He's more than in. And uh, Dean Martini moves up with 20 points. He gets... Uh, into the derby pitcher a little bit. It's going to have to do a little bit more. Uh, and we'll uh, follow Dean Martini, see where he heads next. It's been a good week for Virginia racing in a number of different ways. Uh, and this crazy summer of 2020, uh, <laughs> you just couldn't have asked for a better week than what we saw out of Colonial Downs. At last week, we, we reported a couple of news items out of the Racing Commission meeting. Going to bring in Daryl Wood right now for uh, on off to the races who has uh, been all over the Commonwealth <laughs> in many ways covering the Virginia Gold Cup last week and some announcements that have come forward. Daryl, thanks for spending some time with us. Good morning, Nick, and happy 4th. 
Yeah, happy 4th of July to you too. Yeah, it's a great day. In a good mood, it's going to be like there's no weather implications to stakes races across the country. Just a good day of racing. Sit back and, and enjoy the racing across the country. Let's start out with probably the news that came out yesterday. I think that's going to be most important to listeners. Colonial Downs will have at least a certain number of fans that can go watch the live racing when it resumes on July 27th. It had to be a, a, an exciting piece of news to hear. Yeah, it's uh, a bit overdue. The The entire meet uh, details were released formally uh, by Colonial Downs yesterday, so I know you guys on the racing biz posted that yesterday afternoon as well, but uh, the good news is that come uh, July 27th, when the uh, summer season starts, um, up to 1,000 fans are going to be allowed uh, trackside and in the grandstand seats uh, every race day. You know, and as you say, these things change, and who knows what uh, what may happen going forward uh, even more so, but at least, you know, guaranteed a 1,000 folks. And the good thing is that with the racing schedule, Nick, of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 5.30, over the years, that was probably the size crowd that came on those days. So it's not like on a Saturday last year with four or 5,000 people trying to get in and having to turn people away it's 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 really working out to be a, a really nice scenario with the with the race schedule this year and the number of folks allowed and um you know that's in addition to the thousand people that are allowed inside the rosies gaming at new Kent too so so like you said pretty good news and then you had Rosie's opening earlier this week uh, they opened july 1st uh, throughout the commonwealth uh, that's a good piece of news yeah Rosie's. uh all four locations in Vinton, Hampton, New Kent, and Richmond open on Wednesday, and uh, really good reports coming out of there. Uh, the off-track betting centers uh, as well, two of the four have opened up at uh, Buckets in Chesapeake and at uh, Breakers in uh, Henrico, and Ponies and Pints in the Windmill will follow. So great news uh, that the, the horse racing simulcast facilities are open, uh, historic racing uh, is open again, and now revenues are coming back into the purse accounts for thoroughbreds and standard breads and four colonial downs as well so really like you said a big week for for racing in uh, in virginia that week started with the virginia gold cup with live racing underway up in uh, great meadow in the plains and we saw 10 races that you could watch over the stream at nationalsteeplechase.com. Just going to play maybe the stretch call here of the Virginia Gold Cup, which had a field of six, but came down to a duel between Doc Sabu and Codrigan College. Will O'Keefe has this call. Let's listen to it. Doc Sabu on top as he heads into the stretch. Michael Mitchell and Doc Sabu on top. Codrigan College is second best here as Doc Sabu wins this one easily in hand and in command. Yeah, Willow Keefe with a call there. You got to hear that one uh, live there, Daryl. Uh, for those who are wondering, uh, I mean, this had to be tough. Willow Keefe called a race that lasted eight minutes and 15 seconds. I mean, even in harness racing, that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about the Virginia Gold Cup and, and what it was like up at the Meadow. Well, the, the race that you just played was amazing. And like you said, the amount of time it took. Um, two of the horse, it's, it's, a, it's a wild uh, horse. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to the Gold Cup itself. There's 23 hurdles, I believe. And two of the horses, including uh, one of the two favorites, uh, took a wrong turn and went off course. So it was fascinating. <laughs> and even, even beyond that, Codrington College and Doc Sabu, uh, Codrington College was better uh, in, running, uh, but Doc Sabu was better over the jumps. And you would see Doc Sabu just fly over the jumps and take a lead from Codrington. And then shortly after, Codrington would take the lead again, and Doc Sabu with the next jump would regain the lead. So it was, it was really a fascinating race, and unfortunately, there was no people there to see it outside of the mainstream, uh, the streaming audience. But the day itself was, it was great. Ten races got in, uh, $220,000 in purse money distributed. Very warm, uh, close to 90 degrees, but, it, but a real nice wind helped. But a, a, a bit of emptiness, I think, as well, because normally there's 60,000, 65,000 people there to see this event, and and this year there was zero. So the races got in, 
great to see, but uh, the atmosphere was uh, lacking would be a good word. For five-year-olds and upwards carrying 165 pounds, four miles on the timber, (laughs) congratulations to those connections. Doc Sabu, Michael Mitchell, the rider there, Jack Fisher, the trainer, and uh, just a group of owners here led by uh, Charles Fenwick, I think is the leading owner there, Charles Knoll and Michael Hankin, also the owners. Congratulations to those connections, and uh, congratulations on a great week there, Daryl, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Hey, Nick, in the closing note, you know, we've got two derbies in the same week coming up, Labor Day week. The Virginia Derby this year, Tuesday, September 1st, Kentucky Derby, Saturday, September 5th. What a way to finish out the summer here in a couple months. Yeah, it's it's certainly will be Derby Week, uh, closing week at Colonial Downs. So, uh, uh, looking forward to that the, that first week of September. So, uh, thanks yeah, a lot, Daryl. And uh, just just as a note on off to the races, I haven't had the chance to really report this yet. Next week, and we'll try and do this a couple times during the show, we will not air off to the races next week. Just a conflict of, uh, com- just a comedic conflict of. of schedules just won't allow the show to happen and uh, probably a good opportunity just for a Saturday off before we get into the throes of the live meet at Colonial Downs. So no show next week in case you're turning, trying to tune in and listen to the show next week. On um, on the racingbiz.com, Frank Visby has put up a large number of articles this week back in uh, <laughs> the mode of, of just making that an excellent resource in the Mid-Atlantic. I'm part of it, in full disclosure, but I enjoy doing it and enjoy reading it. And Frank joins us now on Off to the Races. We mentioned it was such a good week for Virginia racing. We talked about the live racing at the Gold Cup, the opening of Rosie's, live fans coming to Colonial Downs, but it was also a great week on the sales um, floor for at least one Virginia bred. Uh, Frank, thanks for joining us on Off to the Races. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. And uh, as Daryl said, happy 4th of July, Independence Day, and, uh, you know, certainly some great racing around the country to, to maybe help celebrate a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, uh, looking forward to that. Belmont having a big day, Delaware having a big day, Los Alamitos, we got a points race sitting there in front of us, and, and we'll have that handicapping later in the show. Want to touch on the $1.1 million Virginia bread that uh, just was an eye catcher, as it turned out, being it was the top, the sales topper uh, at Timonium. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, how the sale went up there, and especially this uh, this Uncle Mo, I guess two year old that was uh, that was sold early in the sale. Yeah, it was a uh, you know it was an interesting sale, and and at some level, uh, you know, nobody quite knew. <laughs> what was going to happen because uh, obviously with COVID-19 and, and, uh, you know, quarantines and this and that people were unsure, you know, who was going to come and, uh, you know, which, which buyers, which sellers and, and, uh, how it would all work and basic tipped in the sales company, uh, in Timonium in the mid Atlantic, certainly, uh, uh, you know, put some, uh, put some, uh, put a number of protocols in place to help protect people. And I am in full disclosure, as you say, I did not go, but talking to people, it seemed like it went really well. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers were down from last year last year was the best year ever, but more than $23 million of horses were sold during the two day sale. And, uh, as you say, it was hip one eighteen of Virginia bread who ended up being the sale topper and uncle Mo Colt, who brought a top bid of $1.1 million and and uh, was the only seven-figure seller this year. But seven-figure sales are a pretty big deal uh, here in Timonium. I, I remember when the top sale, seller ever was a $500,000 horse. So we've come a long way in a relatively short period of time. The, the uh, uh, Colt uh, is uh, out of a mine shaft mare and is a half-brother, uh, half rather, to a graded stakes winner. So... Uh, he certainly bred to be good. He worked fast. He, he worked an eighth of a mile in 10 seconds flat, which was the tied for the fastest uh, eighth that any uh, any of the uh, uh, sales horses worked. So 
He, uh, as they say, as they always, always say at the sale, he checks all the boxes. He's well-bred. He looks to be fast. They hope he's precocious. And, and uh, you know, all you can do at the end of it is wish him good luck. And and, and he looked very good. I mean, they all look good at, to some degree. But just – and I think I saw that on the biz. I think you posted the video as part of the story. But the uh, – just – you know, for a two-year-old, it looked very good. This is the sale that usually occurs right after the Preakness. Am I right about that? Yes, it usually occurs. the the uh, The breeze show is usually the the couple days before the Preakness, and then the sale is the Monday and Tuesday following. and And they had to move it. And there were, there was talk. I mean, just even a month ago, I was hearing, oh, they might not be able to do it because of all the restrictions and. And uh, they were, in fact, able to do it. Interesting sidebar, the, the guy who bought the, the, the Uncle Mo cult that we're talking about here is Michael Lund Peterson. He topped the sale last year, too. He paid a, a million eight for a filly by Into Mischief. And you might have heard of, of that filly by now. Her name is Gamine, and she won the grade one acorn by about 20 lengths on June 20th. So uh, it was a pretty he nice, had money. pretty nice. Uh, yeah, he's got money, and that was a pretty nice uh, catalog update for the sale topper this year. Well, it was uh, certainly uh, a big week throughout the Mid Atlantic. We uh, welcome Mammoth back to live racing and. Uh, jockey that we had on the show was it just last week it seems like we've been talking about julie crone and farron peterson for some time and and i know that they were enthusiastic and probably just full of anxiety about just getting a a race card underneath them uh in terms of being on a basically a nine-month layoff um you know tell us about who's racing in the mid-atlantic and and you know farron peterson had two seconds last night yeah, it's it's uh, good to have Monmouth back. You know, Monmouth is really, um, it's really, in my opinion, one of the nicest tracks in America. I mean, it's just a great place to spend spend an afternoon, or in yesterday's case, an evening. So, Monmouth returned with an evening card, which is something new for them. They're doing a sort of miniature card, six horse. They had a six race card last night, starting at five o'clock, a twilight card. So. Uh, that went uh, appeared to go really well, even though they, they got kind of last minute news that they had to could only allow a couple thousand fans, which is unfortunate given that the grandstand at Monmouth is gigantic and they've got all this kind of this huge picnic area, so kind of a sprawling facility, but only two thousand fans allowed. But a neat thing that last night was the first stake of the year was this little five furlong sprint and had some some familiar names, including the winner who's making his first start since last October was Lakai, a Maryland bred who won the match series two years ago. He was a, a horse that that we've seen a whole bunch throughout the Mid-Atlantic at Monmouth, at Penn National, at Delaware, at Parks, at Laurel. He's based at Laurel for training, trainer Damon Dilla DeVico, and he came back running yesterday and won with Trevor McCarthy in the iron. So that was pretty exciting to see. I think Ted Black, one of our correspondents, is headed out to Charlestown tonight. They've got their first baby races of the year. So have seen some baby races at, at Delaware over the last couple of weeks. Have not seen any baby races at Laurel Park, which had yesterday a really like a stakes quality allowance race. It was an open allowance, $55,000 purse had two graded stakes winners in it, but it's a horse. This is a name you want to keep an eye on. Harper's first ride. This horse is trained by Claudio Gonzalez. He's won six of his first 10 starts. He won yesterday really nicely against this group of horses. He should show up in stakes company soon, and he appears to be a horse with a ton of talent under him. One to look out for there, Harper's first ride, and I'll be up at Harper's a little later today, and perhaps Charlestown is uh, taking a little uh, Fourth of July jaunt uh, around the northern end of of uh, I-81 there, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that, but any other news from the biz? I, you know, I think you probably hit on the major stuff here. There's just a, a lot of things going on. Oh, Parks Racing is going to allow fans back starting on Monday. So, if you're uh, if you're up in the Philadelphia area and looking for something to do, Parks is going to allow fans. 
but yeah, you've hit on on the big stuff. The sale was huge. Colonial Downs having attendance, uh, you know, being being able to ha- have some people there is huge, and getting Monmouth back open is big. I mean, it's starting to feel in racing a little bit like normal again. Which, given what's going on in the world around us, that's a really nice feeling. Certainly is. So, uh, thanks, Frank, for uh, spending some time with us on the uh, off to the races this morning. Frank Vespi, the proprietor of the RacingBiz.com, a great source in the Mid Atlantic, and, and very um, on the job, up to date in terms of reporting news through the Mid Atlantic. Have a good Fourth of July, Frank. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Have a great week and have a great weekend and and a great week to come. And I hope your listeners do as well. That's that's good to hear. And we're going to head to break here on Off to the Races. When we uh, come back, we'll speak with John Mooney of Delaware Park. You're listening to Off to the Races. It doesn't matter if you walk, skip, bike, jog, skateboard, or pogo stick. When you head outside, take us along. If you've got your phone, you've got us. Listen to our live stream at ESPNRichmond.com. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know better than anyone that the mattress industry is full of myths. Mattress companies spread misinformation to mislead customers about their features and prices. One of those myths is that two-sided mattresses are old-fashioned. Today's mattresses don't need to be flipped and rotated, they say. But today's one-sided mattresses just aren't as durable. That's why OMF still hand-builds two-sided mattresses, because it's what's best for our customers. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Whether looking for a restaurant for dinner reservations or shopping for a major purchase, online reviews are a big part of the research consumers consider before making a decision. Unfortunately, many mattress review sites are paid by mattress companies to recommend their products, which makes it hard to trust the reviews. At the Original Mattress Factory, we do things differently. We value transparency and honesty, and we don't pay for reviews or mislead our customers. Read reviews from our actual customers at OriginalMattress.com. The world needs more heroes, more action-oriented do-gooders, more here's-how-I-can-help right-hand sidekicks. The world of sarcoma is no different. And if you're thinking, what is sarcoma? We're glad you're listening. Sarcoma is a rare cancer of the body's soft tissue and bone, and this cancer affects tens of thousands of Americans yearly. The Sarcoma Foundation of America partners with like-minded heroes to advocate for sarcoma patients through funded research and widespread awareness efforts. Learn how you can join forces at curesarcoma.org. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia, from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley, from the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock, from steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg, or Montpelier to point-to-point race action on VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission approved industry partner sites TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Ready to take on that painting project? Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94, July 2nd through 6th. With 30% off our exceptional paints and stains, you can give some color love to your bathroom, living room, or every room in your home. Shop in-store or order online for curbside pickup. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-501-3689 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-501-3689 for your free author submission kit. Again, 800-501-3689.
Sí, sí. Very intrigued by the Dan Levatar Show on ESPN Radio. American Airlines wants its middle seat back, Stugat. American Airlines does not care about your pandemic, does not care about your social distancing enough. I mean, they're ready to start cramming us back in the airplanes already while spikes everywhere in the that, south. That is correct. Yes, that is correct. Please don't do that, American Airlines. We understand that everybody wants their money. Come on, your middle seat is is an injustice of the highest order under all circumstances. The fact that it exists, the fact that you guys continue in a technological age to put us in sideways in your tubes, in your flying tubes. Get out of here. I'm telling you right now, I board a flight, someone's sitting in the middle seat, I'm leaving the flight. So, And I'm asking for my money back, and I'm making a big stink of it on national radio. I'm just I'm, I'm warning American Airlines right now. Okay? <laughs> Our show. Weekdays from 10 to 1 on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Hey, this is Tugach. Join me weekdays 10 to 1 on the Dan Levitard Show. Now on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. George Thorogood singing Chuck Berry. Pretty American, pretty fitting for the 4th of July. The Delaware Destroyer. Bringing us back to Off to the Races. We're going to speak now with John Mooney, the Executive Director of Racing at Delaware Park. And we know him for the time that he... uh, gave us down in Virginia at Colonial Downs for about a decade or so as the uh, in the similar position down there uh, very reputable with track management in terms of running racetracks has, has been around racing for a long time. Delaware Park has a big day today uh, we talked about some of the races the Delaware Oaks this year gets to be a points race on the trail toward the uh, Kentucky Oaks as part of um, the point standings there with the revised schedule. The Kent is also today, and um, another minor stakes race on the card, too. I just don't have it at the moment. Uh, let's see here. That is earlier on the card, but... Um, can't put my hands on it for the moment, but John, thanks for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. You're welcome, Mitch. Thank you for having me. <laughs> the um, wanted to uh, first let's let's just try and gain maybe a sense. Uh, you've been in racing a long, long time in terms of managing tracks and and being around horsemen uh this even to you must be such an exceptional era in in horse racing the added measures you have to do all the things you have to to make sure are are high and tight uh what is racing meant to you so far in 2020 well frankly i'm pleased that we're up and running we had a long delay before we were approved by our governor to open, and fortunately allowed us to have patrons, which was a good thing. It's been a very difficult year. Uh, we opened up and had a fairly good opening with over 3,000 people here and on a weekday. And then because of social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, the put a limit of 500 on us so that's been disappointing to a lot of the fans that get here and 500 has been reached and they cannot get in a lot of other things that we've never experienced and hopefully never will again is some of the restrictions regarding travel for horsemen travel for their employees uh particularly for jockeys who come from states where they may be quarantined for 14 days if they leave that state, and also a lot of different protocols that had to be set up, for instance, in regards to who's permitted into the barn area, how many are permitted into the paddock, how many people can be in the winter circle, and uh, limitations on jockeys and how long they can be in the room, and, of course, some of the amenities they're used to have been taken away. But we are running 
we are doing fairly well handle-wise. It's definitely a savior for the horsemen. They went so long without an opportunity to run a horse or bring in any money. So there's some positives to it all, finally. Yeah, it seems seems to be uh, coming out of that a little bit. Uh, with that, you have the card here today. The the Kent uh, came up with eight, and this is before scratches. The um, the Delaware Oaks came up with eight, and then the the Christiana, which is the one I was looking for, uh, actually came out with a good field. So you're you're getting good races here. The Christiana having nine, so uh, the sixth race on the card. So some some entertaining racing. That's it's good product at Delaware. Well, it has been good product. The Christiana came up very strong, in my opinion. And of course, it's a turf race, and turf racing does very well on the East Coast, as we all know. And we've got some very well-known trainers who've entered in there. Mike Trombetta's got American Giant in there. Michael Stidham's got three horses in there. Ron Potts is tool cat in there. So it's come up a very good race at this time. And uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting race for our players that like to particularly bet on horses on the grass. And as you know, the Oaks has come up very strong in our opinion. And it's, uh, as you mentioned earlier, or you may have mentioned it, it's uh, also connected to the Kentucky Oaks and that there's points. 50 points will go to the winner, 30 to the second horse, 20 to the third, and 5 to the fourth. So it makes it pretty attractive for those three-year-old fillies. What are your thoughts just on the racing in the Mid-Atlantic? Uh, you've obviously had a, a long tenure at Colonial and, and really the heyday at Colonial. I mean, you were right there in the middle of it. You know, the tracks we're forced to cooperate with each other one way or another uh you know just thoughts on racing in the in the mid-atlantic these days well frankly at this time there's too much racing in the mid-atlantic and it's become very competitive and unfortunately we're running against one another with not only our overnight cards but many of our stake races and it's in my opinion, causing us to have shorter fields, which are more unattractive to the better. And at some point in time, it would be nice if we could all try to avoid head-to-head competition, such as it is today. Yeah, uh, certainly. A good, you know, Laurels racing, a uh, lot, lot of racing uh, throughout the, the Mid-Atlantic. And, yeah, there, there needs to be perhaps more symmetry in the racing calendar. It's a little bit harder to do this year, but something to maybe look look forward on, on in future years. Well, uh, John Mooney, just wanted to thank you for coming on off to the races this morning. We'll be watching today and uh, hope you have a great day. Got good weather up at Delaware today, so weather won't be a factor. And... Uh, looking forward to to watching delaware later today and and have a have a great day at the races today well thank you very much i hope you enjoy our program great john mooney executive director of racing at delaware park on off to the races this morning we're going to break when we come back we'll speak with barry spears in uh, about ten thirty-five or so you're listening to off to the races on racing biz radio Remember, when you work from home, no one will know what you put in your coffee. The coronavirus. Let's make the best of it. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. A better tomorrow starts today with Wendy's breakfast. A tomorrow that says bacon, not bacant. Where fresh eggs rain like opportunity. Honey butter goodness is spread. And the frosty is chinoed. At Wendy's, we don't ask what tomorrow holds, but rather, what will you hold tomorrow? Will it be the breakfast baconator or the honey butter chicken biscuit? No matter what you choose, tomorrow's looking good. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Emotional pain and depression may indicate that someone is at risk for suicide, but the signs aren't always easy to see or discuss. 
Most people who take their lives exhibit one or more warning signs. Often the signs are subtle changes in mood, what they say, or how they act. Learn to recognize the warning signs. Suicide is preventable. Recognize it, talk about it, act on it. Learn more at recognizetalkact.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health. Tired of waking up hot and uncomfortable? Start sleeping cool on the Temper Breeze by Tempur-Pedic. It's engineered with a revolutionary cooling system that pulls excess heat away from your body to help you sleep deeper all night and wake up more refreshed every morning. During the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and experience your coolest sleep this summer with our best breeze savings of the year. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at ESPN Richmond. Keeping you up to date 24-7. We are 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. And we're back live on Off to the Races. I'm your host, Nick Hahn. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. Here's some Scuffle Town. If you play local music in Virginia... Whether you're part of Eli Cook or Scuffle Town or any of the, yeah, maybe just play uh, some songs recorded. Send, try and send it to me. I love playing local music uh, and Virginia music on off to the races. Going to speak now with Barry Spears, and um, we talked about this a little bit with Frank Vespi last week on off to the races. A story that appeared on the RacingBiz.com that was authored by Teresa Gennaro. Uh, two-part feature that talked about race and racing and as we discussed this subject off air we decided that you know for a long time this has just been a horse racing show and generally that's we like to keep it in between the rails so to speak um but at times of not saying anything is saying something too, and uh, with with the issues that have surfaced, uh, certainly with um, some of the national incidents that have generated a lot of coverage, we figured it might be a good opportunity here to at least address the subject and talk about attitudes and race as it involves in racing. And as part of that story that Teresa Gennaro did, we, uh, she spoke with Barry Spears, and we just thought it might be good as we reflect the website and the radio show. They're the two run in symmetry. Uh, we thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring them on the show. So, want to welcome Barry to uh, off to the races, and got to be a little careful here as. Uh, as I found out this week, we may start talking about race and racing and end up on a 30-minute discussion about basketball <laughs> if we go off track. So we'll try and pull that back in. But, Barry, thanks Absolutely. for spending some time with us on Off to the Races. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Nick. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I mean, we, we did have a nice little conversation about hoops, <laughs> which is great, man. We, uh, as many will be unaware, Barry actually, we found this out very accidentally, actually played two years of basketball at Virginia Union. Um, so has connections to Richmond that, that we were unaware of uh, when we started this process. And first off, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself, really about racing. It, how did you develop an interest in, in, you know, some of what have been your at least uh experiences in racing in terms of participating in the sport um well i started out very young um my my grandparents lived in brooklyn and uh when i was very small you know five six years old they they would uh take my parents and i and my my whole family to uh aqueduct in belmont um so that's how i i originally got introduced to the game uh it was it was just love at first sight for me you know, being around the horses, just seeing how big they were and the jockeys and the colors and everything, it just appealed to me instantly, even at, at that young age. Uh, a little later on, um, my family used to take trips to Saratoga during Travers Week. We used to stay up there for the whole week, go to the races. Um, and one of those mornings, we went to the breakfast program. I sat in with a seminar. This is when I was eight years old uh, with my dad to learn how to read the racing form. They gave us a free racing form. They went over how to read the past performances, and 
and it just took off from there. I, I just fell in love with the whole dynamic of, of, of the puzzle of putting races together and, and trying to solve solve that puzzle. So, you know, I've been around the sport, you know, for as, as long as I can remember, really. Um, never was actively in it, more from a betting perspective, but it was just something that I've always followed, even when I was playing basketball, you know, throughout high school, college, and even beyond that. So, you know, it, it's definitely my first love. And and you write about racing. You've written for for Bet America. Uh, you know it, it to you know bring up some things that are uncomfortable. I've gone through maybe five minutes of this article without mentioning that you're even black, as we generally don't like to talk about race. But you know maybe maybe a good question is is how does life that you how is the racetrack perhaps that that you know how does it differ from from what you see in real life is is it in balance with racing is it you know we, we often talk about racing being its own city and it certainly has been helpful through this this covid crisis in terms of allowing racing to move forward that it can be its own city so maybe there's an opportunity to to disconnect those two worlds and maybe give give your impressions on on what you see in daily life and what you see on daily life on the racetrack yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I was hopeful for a long time, you know, um, because I really wasn't involved in the sport as much as I am now, uh, previously. So, you know, I, I wanted to have the assumption that everything wasn't like real life, um, that everything was, you know, cool because everybody was there. You, you'd see people on the backstretch of, of, of different races and descents. And, you know, as I got older... I kind of noticed a few things and was like, well, you know, everybody seems to be okay. I don't have any problem with anyone. And then as time went on, you could see the parallels between racing and what goes on in the real world. Um, it, it, you know, it was a little disheartening for me to understand and see. But at the same time, um, you know, being on this earth as long as I have, you can, you know, you have to have that realization at some point that, hey, this is, this, there's, there's an issue here. And it needs to be addressed, but, you know, who am I? I'm only one person. I don't know any others that are like me that are in the game. Um, but as I got involved, I did see some more, and it's still not where it's supposed to be. Um, I, I, I even saw an article where someone had said that, uh, you know, incremental changes are good. There's no way to do it fast. And I, I, I vehemently disagree with that notion because if you think about it, there's no track seed in America that has a black person or person of color on it. Um, that as a, as a racing analyst, let's say, um, it's not very hard to put someone in that position of color that they could find. I mean, anywhere. It's not that difficult and, and it's not a far leap. And that's where things have to start progressing i guess in the end the best way to to kind to kind of rectify these issues or to start is to admit that there is an issue there and then work your way up because once you acknowledge that there is a problem then you can be able to fix it you're spot on in saying that the only one that kind of comes to my mind is mr giacomo ken rudolph who used to host uh on TBG for a while, but you know when when you look at racing and and you know Isaac Murphy wins the the first uh, Kentucky Derby and then you know the race the jockeys you know were black and the first twenty thirty years or so that the Derby was run, um, you know what and and there's such like an, an apprenticeship that goes into into racing you know trainers learn from other trainers jockeys learn from other jockeys what what you've kind of touched on some of the solutions but what what kind of solutions do you think um you know maybe where racing needs to work toward it's it, it may be a little bit harder in racer because because it just in terms of of like i mentioned trainers and, and the like and even owners it's like uh you know, wouldn't it be great to see someone like Magic Johnson come in and buy, you know, a stable of horses or somebody? You know, how how does racing uh, move forward with this? Um, 
you know, it, it, it's tough because, you know, it, it's at least from my perspective, it, it's a weird space to be in because especially now with everything that's going on in the real world, um, it's starting to seep into the horse racing world. And you see, you know, periodically some statements from people, uh, you know, in prominent positions in the racing industry that are in support of inclusion and, and, and uh, you know, having more faces of color in, in, in areas and in, in, in jobs. That's all good, but it's like what happens after you say that? Is it something that you're really going to address? Or is that just something you're doing to make yourself look good as a, from a PR kind of standpoint? And in order for things to kind of move forward, it's good to see that some people are acknowledging it, but at the same time, it's all about desire. If they really want to make those changes, they can. It's nothing that has to be uh, incremented uh, step by step or time. Um, and I think that kind of that message needs to be out there that you know you can make these changes today tomorrow it's not it doesn't have to take months and months and months because from my experience when someone says oh well we want to do these changes but it's going to take a while that's somebody that doesn't want to change in the first place so it's just a, a series of long conversations possibly to make that understanding clear and then we can move forward but as far as any ideas i mean just hiring a black person to be a racing analyst would do a world of good and a step in the right direction. Obviously you want to get people like famous people and, and people with a lot of money and athletes and superstars to come into the game. Well, if they see people of color in the right places, then that makes it more welcoming for that kind of inclusion. And it's just a step, you know, obviously, um, it's not going to solve everything because you have to actually actively go after that kind of market. So there's got to be things to be done there, but that's not very hard either. They have marketing plans that, that work for all kinds of people. And it, you know, it's not a far leap to make adjustments and go after a different set of people. The stories on the racing biz, it's called On Race. Racing has more to do, penned by Teresa Gennaro, and um, encourage our listeners to go take a look at that and share some of the other experiences that um, that you've gone through and that, that you shared in the story. Also, there's uh, certainly some other accounts there, too. So thanks, thanks a lot for coming on Off to the Races this morning. Uh, we appreciate that. But we need a two-hour show because uh, I could – I got about 10 other questions I'd love to ask you, and then, then we could even we talk basketball, it, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. We can do it. Just let me know. If you're ready, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Where are you playing the races today? Um, focus on Belmont. Uh, there, there's a nice card at Laurel uh, today, as always. I mean, I really have to hand it to, to Laurel. They've really stepped their game up as far as the cards, the the way they're arranging them, everything. It's just great racing, and, and people who don't play Laurel actively really should because they, they put together a great program. I, I really enjoy it. Um, and a little bit of Gulfstream, which is my home track. So that's what it looks like today. Great. Well, good luck at the races today, and, and somehow we we got to find a way to spend more time about this on Off to the Races. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on the show this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Barry Spears. You know, some of the, uh, it's not always a great subject uh, to talk about, but sometimes it has to be talked about. And it, it just goes to show some, you meet some incredible people in racing. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, going back to even talking about Farron Peterson, you know, and, and the way they use surfing as training and, and just the stories you find in racing are just absolutely fascinating. And uh, we just, we're just glad to share them on off to the races. Um, we're going to go to break here and actually talk about it, some racing in between the rails. Uh, coming up, a big day of handicapping. Derby Bill joins us next on Off to the Races. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know better than anyone that the mattress industry is full of myths. Mattress companies spread misinformation to mislead customers about their features and prices. One of those myths is that two-sided mattresses are old-fashioned. Today's mattresses don't need to be flipped and rotated, they say. But today's one-sided mattresses just aren't as durable. 
That's why OMF still hand-builds two-sided mattresses, because it's what's best for our customers. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. Whether looking for a restaurant for dinner reservations or shopping for a major purchase, online reviews are a big part of the research consumers consider before making a decision. Unfortunately, many mattress review sites are paid by mattress companies to recommend their products, which makes it hard to trust the reviews. At the Original Mattress Factory, we do things differently. We value transparency and honesty, and we don't pay for reviews or mislead our customers. Read reviews from our actual customers at OriginalMattress.com. Napa know-how. At Napa, we've stopped thinking outside the box. Instead, we're thinking inside the bucket. The $2.99 Napa bucket to be exact. When you fill those bad boys with auto parts, you can get 20% off three or more items that fit inside. No overthinking required. Just get your bucket, fill it up, and save 20%. Quality parts, helpful people, that's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores, exclusions apply. May not be combined with other offers. Offer ends 731.20. The Zave is back in Richmond. Listen to Steve Zabin. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. On request from maybe the most interesting person in racing, Derby Bill Watson, Saturday morning here on Off to the Races. Just before I forget to mention it prior to the end of the show, we will not be on the air next week, July 11th, of just taking a break there. So if you're looking for the show, uh, it will not be there um, that Saturday. We'll be back July 18th. Derby Bill, uh Thanks for joining us on Off to the Races. A uh, little walk down uh, nostalgia road there, at least for you, with John Mooney on the show earlier on the card. Big day at Delaware Park. Derby Bill, uh, happy 4th of July. And, uh, man, let's talk about maybe the – let's start off perhaps with the Delaware Oaks. Yeah, it's always good. One of the best East Coast tracks all time to visit. Used to be able to get there by train, just like uh, – Bowie, Maryland, used to go take the train and read the racing form on the way there. So just a traditionally old track, not a great turf course, but a great dirt course. And they have sports wagering there now. So uh, maybe you can pick up Mr. Mooney with some some of your basketball picks with Mr. Uh, The Sniper you had on there a minute ago. Yeah, remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, John, actually, remember we saw him walking out of Churchill Downs after the Derby with a little bit of a whistle after uh, hitting, I want to say, was it, uh, it was 2001. For the life of me, I can't remember the Derby winner that year at the moment. But, yeah, uh, Delaware Oaks uh, has a field of eight, and uh, the favorite there is Peace of My Heart. Uh, this, as we mentioned earlier, is on the uh, point standings for the uh, Kentucky Oaks starting gate. And uh, Comical is a challenger in this race. Uh, Dream Marie uh, also getting some attention, but Peace of My Heart. I, I kind of like this horse. I think it's Peace of My Heart and a long shot. What do you make of the Delaware Oaks? Yeah, in honor of coming out of the Oakland, nice win down at Oakland for Peace of the Heart. Uh, the Oaks, obviously, you said has taken on more importance now to get you in the Kentucky Oaks September 4th. You, you get 50 points if you win here in 20, 10, and 5. So it's much the first time ever they've had points on this race attached to the Oaks and the Derby, obviously, because of the you know, one-year uh, COVID interruption. Uh, comical, a 5-2 to two here and Peace of Your Heart, both of them about 5-2 to two or 2-1. Two to one. Um, uh, he tries to have seven straight losses. It's hard to bet a horse called seven straight losses named Comical. So <laughs> I'm going to try just have to bet that on uh, the 4th of July. Hopefully a grown Trevor McCarthy, 10-1 uh, to 1 here on a number five horse. I'm going to use him with your piece of the heart. Trevor uh, won last night, the big feature with uh, Mr. Uh, Frank Vespi mentioned uh, 
Lackey, or I call him Lackey, won the Mama Six last night. Trevor rode last night in New Jersey and driving down to Delaware to jump on board this closer. Hopeful groans. Going with a two and a five there, Nick, in the Oaks. And it's also Oaks tied in with the uh, the Kent, the Virginia Derby prep race, I'm calling it. Uh, sure. Or a daily double if you want to take one of these favorites, peace of the mind, and use them in a two race, you know, to enhance your payoff. Yeah, let's maybe go leap right to the Kent there. Jonathan Thomas has two long shots that he trains of the one and the two uh, there with talking and on base. But the uh, the favorite there, I guess, is pixelated or actually Gafu actually at uh, five to two very closely there is is pixelate. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Kent? Who do you use in the back half of that double? Yeah, my uh, Jonathan Thomas obviously of Catholic boy fame uh, last couple of years. Uh, on base, he scratched the one, the two, uh, as scratched for him there. The one, uh, talking, still running for him. So maybe on base, resting for Colonial Downs meet, uh, and coming on down here. Uh, bye bye Melvin is a long shot here. Well, six to one, if you call that a long shot. Uh, he tried the Tampa Bay Derby. He tried his owners and got a trainer everybody loves around here, Graham Motion. But the owner wanted to try dirt and try to go to the three year old. You know, Kentucky Derby Trail and the Oaks Trail, and he ran in the Tampa Bay Derby miserably, but it, but that was on dirt. And before that, as a turf horse, all five turf races had two wins and two places on the turf. I'd buy by Melvin for a little bit of upset over, uh, uh, and uh, obviously the uh, favorite here is, uh, I guess you pronounce it Gopher. Yep. We'll find out more. For Gofi has as the early uh, con Virginia Derby top ten. Gofi is five to two to win the Virginia Derby after this race. It just lines up beautifully for a horse to run this race and then come down and run for two hundred grand September first in New Kent. We got two grade ones. Yep. We got two grade ones at Belmont Park and only about two minutes left in the show. Uh, Your thoughts. I'm going to maybe let you tackle them one-two here with the Met Mile, formerly known as the Met Mile or the, the Metropolitan Handicap, and then the Manhattan, the ninth and tenth race uh, back to back here at Belmont. Yeah, good day to watch NBC or television if you say that on the radio. Uh, sorry if you didn't hit the seven-second delay there, uh, Mitch or Nick or Nick or Mitch, whichever one. Uh, run happy Met We're Mile. We're humor there. A little humor. Met Mile goes off at 540 on uh, the big network. Vacamo, uh, number two, Code of Honor, and McKenzie, just three of the top horses in the country in the Run Happy Mile. You can use that on, on a daily double into the Manhattan. And the Manhattan is all Chad Brown Fest. Chad Brown's 25% wins on turf. It's a monster on turf trainer. Install Regard, Rock'em Parlor, and one with a price, Steve Lama. All three of his horses in this race I'm using in the Manhattan and also going to melt some ice with a Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, great card with the Met Mile. I mean, that's just eight-horse field, but you got McKenzie, Vercoma, Code of Honor, who ran uh, third in the Kentucky Derby last year, coming back. Sadler's Joy, you know, this is in the uh, Manhattan. This is a horse gets a lot of respect in the morning line and of course we like that horse because woods lane bred um up in the, in the plains uh, sired by kittens joy but you know just does has a hard time finding the winner circle uh here but always seems to get a check so that's a horse that we'll root for there derby bill thanks for your picks and thanks for spending some time with us on off to the races this morning yeah happy fourth have a fifth Okay, <laughs> great there. Derby Bill on off to the races. Uh, Want to thank Daryl Wood, Frank Vespi, John Mooney, Barry Spears, and Derby Bill Watson. And, of course, Mitchell, or is it Nick? Did I do the board and you do the show? I can't remember. Uh, thanks, Mitchell, for doing a great job on off to the races. We're going to leave you with Eli Cook's music again, um, along with uh, his bandmates Chuck Crenshaw and Eric Yates uh, as we head out on this super Saturday. Happy 4th of July, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. 
July 25th for the next edition of Off to the Races. From the G Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. WTPS Petersburg.